Desert Shift Podcast. Welcome to the brand new season, the 2023-2024 NHL season slash hockey season is now officially underway. I'm your host, Chase Beersley, along with your fellow host, Tyler Cass. Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing good today. It's, it's been really nice out, so I'm enjoying the warm weather. Um, yeah. I think it's going to rain tomorrow, though, so that kind of sucks. Yeah, that does suck, but it's been nice here in Arizona. Let me tell you, it's been a little bit hot, but it's been nice. Tyler, I mean, again, we are at the start, the official start now of the 2023-2024 NHL season, unless you count the awards show. Um, I mean, we're here, and what that means, what the season always starts with is the NHL draft, and that is coming up in Nashville only a couple days away where we will see futures change. We will see some busts, some gems, but we want to kind of take you through the draft, and by no means are we the draft experts. I don't know crap about the these players past six, maybe seven. Tyler, I don't know about you. I mean – are you a draft? I know. Um, I, I would say I'm an expert, but I, I know a decent amount of the prospects pretty well, especially the the American ones from watching the uh, the World Juniors and the the under eighteen team. Um, there's some really really good players on that team, so I know I'm familiar with a lot of them. Well, aren't you cool? But in any case, um, by no means are we scouts, so do not take this. But we are going to do a mock draft. Um, what that implies is that we will be mock drafting um, picks 1 through 10. We're not going to go beyond that because that's going to take forever. Um, and I think the top 10 is usually what is contested uh, the most. And what most people discuss. So we're going to kind of go ahead, go ahead and go over uh, our ten draft picks. And I can tell already tell you that Tyler and I's mock drafts are very different. So I mean, let's start off. So obviously we know the Chicago Blackhawks will be drafting first overall in this year's draft, and we know the obvious first round pick. Is Ben Cross. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Obviously, it is. Let's say it together, Tyler. Three, two, one. Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard. You didn't say it with me. What the heck, man? I said it. Yeah, I did. Tyler, do you have Connor Bedard on the top of your draft? Um, well, I have him right under Cross, so I think we have the same exact. You're right. right there. Yeah, you're right. But we, all jokes aside, Connor Bedard is going to Chicago. <laughs> He is perhaps one of the best first-round picks in the past 20, 30 years, and probably the best since Connor McDavid in 2015. He is projected to be one of the best players in this league. Tyler, thoughts about Connor Bizarre? I mean, we've talked too much about him already. That's how good he is. I mean, yeah, there's really not, like, a ton else to say. I mean, we're just excited to see him finally get into the league and and – see him showcase his talent in the NHL and we're we're still a few months away from there but once that draft hits and his name is officially called then it's like official we're going to be seeing Connor Bedard in just a, a few months 71 goals in WHL with a 
pretty decently bad Regina team. They did make the playoffs, got eliminated in seven games, but he was carrying that team 143 points. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks have the second overall pick. Um, I think this is another one we can say together. Three, two, one, Adam Fantelli. Adam Fantelli. Fantelli. Um, Adam Fantelli, I mean, he was incredible this year. If Connor Bedard wasn't in this draft, he would be the consensus first overall pick. He won the Hobie Baker. Um, he had 65 points, 30 goals, helped Michigan reach the Frozen Four. So we'll see what he does, actually. He might go back to Michigan. He might not. But both Tyler and I agree, Anaheim is most likely going to draft Fantelli. Your thoughts real quick about Fantelli, Tyler? He's another guy that's going to be a a great player. I mean, this feels so similar to 2015 where, you know, no matter who you get, you're getting a, a superstar. And um, we'll, we'll see if the, the results turn out the same as 2015 with um, the second overall pick winning the cup before, like, the best player in the league. Um, but, yeah, no matter who you get, um, the Ducks, obviously, it sucks not landing Bedard, but they're going to get a great, great player in Fantilli. So you can't really be that upset when you're getting um, a, another superstar at two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets are drafting – third overall um they have kind of made their draft plans kind of very public they're looking for a center they're looking for probably someone that will jump into the nhl automatically as they are trying to contend for the playoffs next year and with that i think we have the same choice yeah Um, it's leo carlson leo carlson yeah leo carlson um columbus hasn't had a top center for a while it's been a long time and leo carlson is gonna become automatically one of their biggest players in the league he's going to be really good he's not as obviously as good as pentelli or bedard but he is nhl ready he's big and tall he is a good scorer, and he he's a great center. Any thoughts on Leo Carlson? Yeah, I I just think that this is the most ready NHL player. Um, I think that Columbus is going to throw him into the lineup right away, and he'll have an immediate impact. Um, there's not a lot not a lot of other guys in this draft that I think, besides Bedard and maybe Fantilli, that'll have an impact right away. And so I think that's why Columbus is going for him. Well, I don't think. I think guys after him have higher upside and will probably be better players. Um, I still think Carlson will be a great player, but um, he just fits Columbus timeline the best out, out of everybody that's that's going to go after him. And just he played in the the Swedish Hockey League, which is just you know full of grown men. It's a tough tough league to play, and especially as a 17, 18 year old. And he had a great great season there. So I think that the ice, especially, is much bigger there. It's a it's a slower game um, over there because of the bigger ice. So I think that actually benefits him uh, going into the NHL, which is a much faster game than over in Sweden. So I do think, like, the adjustment period will take a little bit. But uh, I, I do think it benefits him because what, going from that that slower, you know, bigger ice to, to the faster, you know, more condensed uh, NHL rinks, I think that it just lets you see the game uh, a lot better. And... Um, 
especially playing with a, guy, a lot of guys who used to be pro players in the NHL. Even though they're a little bit older now, they're still really good players. And he's just had so much more experience. So Columbus is going with the, the most experienced guy, the most NHL-ready guy, and you can't really go against that. Yeah, those are all fair opinions. Um, this is where we might diverse. And at a point, we'll 100% have different picks. This is kind of where, like, we all differentiate, like, who's going to pick what. But the top three are pretty set in stone, especially with Columbus kind of announcing that they're looking for an NHL-ready prospect and they're looking for a center. Leo Carlson is their guy. Fantelli isn't going anywhere but second. And Bedard, I mean, if Chicago doesn't draft him first, that GM should be fired. Um but number four, the draft pick belongs to the San Jose Sharks beginning their long rebuild. Do you want to announce your pick first, Tyler? Um, what I'm going to start out with is I think no matter what happens, Will Smith goes at four. And um, I say that because I think there is a really, really good chance that the Canadians trade up because I think they really want Will Smith. I'm doing this mock draft based on the picks right now, assuming no trades. Um, yeah, you know, no trades go down because I have a lot of different opinions depending on you know what trades are going to happen. Um, if the Canadians do trade up, I think my mock draft totally changes. Um, so doing it, I think no matter what happens, if the Canadians have four or the short Sharks have four, I think both of them take Smith. So that's why right now I have the Sharks taking Will Smith at four. So we actually had the same draft pick. I am taking, well, getting into the mentality of the Sharks, I'm picking Will Smith. That would not be my ideal choice. I think the Sharks, if they were wise, should take uh, Matevi Michkov uh, because he fits their time on well. I think he is an extremely underrated player in this draft, and there's a huge reason why He's most likely going to fall in this draft, which we'll probably discuss when we each get to him. Um, but I do have Will Smith going at four. I think the Sharks are actually going to keep that pick. I don't think they're going to be that stupid to trade that pick, even if it's one pick down. I just think they would be smart to save that pick. And Mike Greer has stated that they most likely aren't going to trade that pick. And a little bit about Will Smith. He's a center. Uh, he helped the United States win the II, oh wow, I can't spell that, IIHF Under-18 World Championship back in April. He led that tournament with 20 points. He actually scored the game-winning goal, I believe. Um, no, he did not score the game-winning goal, but he did set a record for the amount of points scored by a U.S. player. Um, that was Jack Hughes back in 2019. He matched that with 20 points uh he's most likely going to return to boston college but he seems like a very very good player i just like mitch caught better we'll get to why i do but tyler at number five the montreal canadians adding to their arsenal of offense and forwards who do you have going at five yeah, so granted, the, the Habs stay where they are and don't trade up. I actually think the Canadians draft David Reinbacker fifth overall. Um, 
I do think that it is a little bit of a reach. It's a little bit early, but I think the Canadians love this guy. Um, I think he's going to be a great player. I think he's the best defenseman in the draft. Um, and while he's probably not the best player available, I, I think the Canadians want to bolster up that that defensive um, depth, that that decor. And I think Rhinebacker is a great place to start because outside of Lane Hudson, they don't really have any good defensive prospects. They have a ton of good forward prospects. And I think Rhinebacker and Hudson together could be a great, great, you know, top two for your your next uh, next 10 years. So I, I think that if they, they keep the pick at five and don't end up with Smith, I think they take Rhinebacker. So I'm going to play spoiler here. I do not have Rhinebacker in the top 10. I think he goes the early, like, double digits. I think if he's still around when the Coyotes draft, they will absolutely draft him with the 12th overall pick. But at number five, I have Ryan Leonard going to the Canadians. Um, he's played with the USA Hockey National Development Program. He had 94 points in 57 games. A very, very offensive player. He's also a very gritty player. He likes to get in those tough spots. He likes to fight for that puck. He is not willing. He's not scared to take a hit or two. I think Ryan Leonard is going to be a good second line player for the Canadians and really add that gritty physicality that uh, the Canadians kind of need. I mean, they had a lot of injuries this past season. They need someone to defend these guys like Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, who aren't the most physical players. They need someone to protect that. And I think Ryan Leonard is really going to do that. Um, let's start with six. Six, the six overall spot is the Arizona Coyotes. They continue their rebuild. They have two first-round picks. The second one being in the 12th spot it used to be Ottawa's pick, but Arizona got in the Chickering trade. But the sixth overall pick, who you got going at six, the Coyotes? This is like the one pick that I really – I don't know what's going on inside Bill Armstrong's head. Um, like, this is the one I had the most trouble with because I, I see a world where they take Mitch Cobb if he's there at six. I think it could happen, but – I. I think that they go with Zach Benson at six. Um, Benson is is really good. Uh, I don't I don't think he'll be as good as as Mishkov, but I think he's um, the best. He'll be the best available outside of him and the safer option, um, just because I I think that teams are really concerned with with Mishkov and the whole situation in Russia. So um, that's why I, I do think that he falls. I think there's a chance they take him. But Benson's a really good player. Um, I, I think he fits the Coyotes team really well. I think him um, and, like, Gunther, Cooley, Geeky will be a great, great top six there. So uh, I think Armstrong goes with the safe pick and and take Benson, but I think it's a toss-up between the two. But I'm going to go with Benson. So this is the pick that I have, the Tevi Mitchkov, going to the Arizona Coyotes. And let me tell you why. First off, Mitchkov is an incredible player. If he was born in the United States, Canada, anywhere but Russia, he would go within the top three, 100%, simply because he has great hands. He's fast. He's speedy. He's like the Russian version of Bedard, maybe a little bit worse, but he's still 
going to be an all-star eventually. He reminds me a lot of Kirill Kaprizov, but maybe a little bit better. Um, speaking of Kaprizov, a huge thing with the Minnesota Wild and why they got him so low is because Russia. Russia players are very hard to get over. Most of them play within the KHL until they're like 21, and then they come over to the NHL, and that's what's most likely going to happen with Mitchkov. Um, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait three years, but the Coyotes aren't planning to be good within two, three years. I would say they're going to be done within, with their rebuild within two, three years, and that's about time that they'll probably challenge for a playoff spot. You still need all these players like Cooley, Gunther, Lamroux, Geeky, still need all these players to grow, and Mitchkov will most likely be ready to go and won't require any AHL time when he comes over within three years. So I think Mitchkov is just going to add to this lethal Arizona Coyotes offense that they're building. I think the Coyotes and Bill Armstrong are willing to wait three years because I really do think Bill Armstrong likes taking the best overall player, even when it's controversial. And this is a controversial pick. Maybe you think he should be lower. Maybe you think it should be higher. Mitchkov is the big wild card in this draft. No one really knows what's going to happen to him. And with that, yeah. we go on to the seventh. Oh, oh. oh go ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was going to also point out that I, I feel like I've seen a, a trend-ish with Armstrong picks. I mean, Benson, uh, he plays with Geeky in Winnipeg in the WHL. They took uh, Gunther, uh, who's also in that league. I just I feel like um, Armstrong is, you know, he, I, I feel like I've seen a trend with his his picks where um, him and his staffs really like, um, you know, those Canadian junior leagues. And I've, we've seen them take a lot of players from there. Um, so uh, I think that I, he could step away from this, but it's definitely a trend I've seen with Armstrong and his scouts since he's taken over. So that's also leaned to a little bit of the reason I, I think they're going to go with Benson. No, that's, that's fair. I think Benson is a good pick. Um, speaking of which, Philadelphia Flyers draft at seventh overall, one of their highest draft picks in the recent years. They obviously drafted two way back when in 2017 when they selected the legendary Nolan Patrick. Not a lot of top picks uh, up until then or after that. Uh, but I'll go first because this is where I have Zach Benson going. I have Zach Benson going to Philadelphia, leading scorer on the best team in the WHL, which was the Winnipeg Ice. Um, and I think he's he's a good player. He's very, very good offensively. And similar to uh, – Similar to Leonard, I think he's really good at getting in those dirty, gritty areas. I think he's going to be a great player. And one that really fits the Philadelphia mold, which is being tough and physical, I think Benson is a player that's like that, but he can score as well. And I think Philly fans are really going to like that. Who do you have going to Philadelphia at seven? Yeah, this is where I have Mitch Kopp going. But if if the Yotes do take him at, at six, I think that Benson goes here at seven. You know, these are my two picks that I think, you know, whichever team takes one, the other team's going to take the other. Um, but to me, there's three teams that fit the timeline with Mitch Kov, and that's the Sharks, the Coyotes, and then the Flyers. And I think that Briere is just admitting that we need to just take like four or five years and just you know tear the whole thing down, totally build it back up. And Mitch Kov is the perfect place to start for them because they don't need him to be ready in 
a year or two. They could wait three, four, even five years for him to come over if it takes that long. And I think Briere, um, we've seen him already make a splash, make him his name known. Um, so I don't think he's going to be scared at all to take Mitchkov. I think he's going to be totally fine taking him and waiting. And I, this is like the the one thing that I'm really, really confident on. If he is there at seven, the Flyers will take him. And I don't think that they're scared at all about it. Yeah, I think we can both agree that Mitchkov is going at seven or higher. He is that good of a player. And I also agree with you. I think the Sharks, the Coyotes, and the Flyers are the three most likely teams to draft him. I just don't see the Canadians drafting him because I feel like they want to get better within one to two years. I think that's their timeline right now. They just need a better goaltender and a little bit more defense, but their offense is stacked. And I don't think they they don't really need a top guy that is going to just produce because they have that in Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, and others. Meanwhile, I took Leonard. He's more of a physical guy. I think they want a physical guy like that. Um, But like I said, I think the Sharks will be smart to draft him at four. I think that's what the Sharks should do instead of being impatient. But I, I really do think Arizona is going to draft him. Going on to eight, the Washington Capitals. This is their highest draft pick in a very, very long time. Who do you have going at eight to the Capitals, Tyler? Yeah, I have the ticking Dalibor Dvorsky. This is the guy that I, I know the least about, but just everything that I've seen, um, all the research I've done on this draft, he just feels like a, a Capitals-type player. And I don't think that he's the, the best guy available, but I think the Capitals have been eyeing him. This My predictions for this pick and the next pick are just two guys that I don't think are the best available, but are just players that fit the team well and that the, the teams have been eyeing. So, um, you know, they, they could, the Capitals could easily just take the best guy available. And while I don't think Dvorsky is, I think he's a really, really good prospect. I think he's going to fit the Capitals really well. And I think that they like him a lot. So I, I think they go with him. I'm actually going to go with Oliver Moore of the USA under 18 development program. He's going to be a top six center, most likely. Uh, he's most likely going to return to the University of Minnesota, going there for one more. I really think that the Capitals are looking for a center uh, player because they have a lot of older players on the center position. I think they're going to try to get rid of those players in the next two one years um i think oliver moore would be a great player to add to their top six and maybe help ovechkin chase for his final record going on not next season but the following season uh let's move on to nine the detroit red wings hold that pick tyler who do you have going at nine yeah this is where i have oliver moore going and I, I think that Detroit has been eyeing him for a while. He just feels like a Red Wings type player because this guy is fast. Like you watch some of his his uh, highlights with the U.S. Uh, development team. This guy is flashy. He's fast. I just I feel like he'll he'll fit in really well with this new like young core that Detroit's building. And I think that if he's there at nine, Detroit has his their heart set on this guy. So I think they go with more at nine. So this is actually where I have Dave Dvorsky going to the Red Wings. Uh, you kind of said it best, Tyler. Really good skater, really good center. 
He has great vision. Uh, he wins battles everywhere on the ice, and he was he had 13 points in seven games at the under-18 world for Slovakia. I really think this is a Detroit guy. They like taking these foreign prospects that have great skill. I mean, we saw it with a couple of their picks before. Um, I think this is going to continue that trend. I think Detroit's going to really love someone like Dvorsky. And that leads us to our last pick. That is the St. Louis Blues picking at 10. Another team that we haven't seen a lot in the top 10 as of lately, but they are here. Who do you have going to the Blues at number 10? Yeah, I have them just taking the best available player here, which in my draft would be Ryan Leonard, who I, I think that there's a great chance Leonard goes higher. But like I said, I think a lot of teams have their hearts set out on guys, which is going to cause Leonard to fall. Um, I think Leonard, he's going to be a great player. The dude had like, uh, I think it was 51 or 52 goals and not even 60 games. He was scoring a goal literally every single game, which is just crazy. Um, especially uh, he was on the, the development team, but they're still playing against some, some solid talent and not a ton of guys did what he did uh, this past season. I think Leonard's going to be really good. And um, I, I think that he's kind of fits the Blues timeline pretty good where they're kind of in a retool where um, Leonard, you know, he could still develop for a year. And then I think he could just slot right into the Blues lineup after they're done with the retool in one or two years and be right in, you know, up there with their top guys like Kairou, Thomas, Buchnevich when they're competing again in a year or two. So this is where I have Nate Danielson going. He is part of the Brandon Weekings of the WHL. Uh, he is a center, right-handed shot. He has great vision and patience, in my opinion, after watching a bit of his highlights with the puck. Um, he was the one of the most biggest jumps in the Central Scouting's final ranking of North America. Uh, he went from uh, seven to from 13. I, I mean, he has 78 points, Brendan, last year. I think uh, St. Louis is going to look for a center, especially with Ryan O'Reilly now gone. Um, I think Nate Danielson would be a great player to take his spot. I think he can do a lot of good things for Blues. Um, yeah, I think he's a player that the Blues would really like to have. So we there's our top 10 mock draft. Um, someone I didn't have on my list that you did, Tyler, uh, was David Reinbach. I I don't think any defensemen are going within the top 10. I think Reinbacher is going to the Coyotes at number 12. I think everyone's going to pass on him, especially with Vancouver popping up. I think he they would be the only team that would make an effort to select Reinbacher ahead of the Coyotes. But I think if he falls all the way down to the Coyotes, I think he's going to be a great pick for them. I actually do think that he's going to end up either going 11 or 12. Yeah, I I think Ryan Becker goes in the top 10 just for that reason that he said, because I think Vancouver has their, their heart set on this guy. Um, so if Montreal doesn't end up taking him at, at five, I think Vancouver is going to do whatever they can to make sure that nobody else gets him. Because I think Vancouver is like, really really wants Ryan Becker maybe he doesn't you know maybe they don't move up into the top 10 um but I think that if Ryan Becker is available 
at and Vancouver just sitting there watching, you know, picks eight, nine, and ten go by. I think they're gonna make an effort to move up to make sure that they get them. Someone you didn't have on your list that I had on my list was Danielson, um, who I picked with my 10th overall pick. Why did you not have Danielson in your top 10? And where do you think he's going? Yeah, I, I do. I think he goes top 15. Um, I I just think that, you know, like I said, that when you get to the, the draft season, I think teams kind of have like um guys that they, they kind of focus on. And to me, he's nobody's like number one guy um, looking at, at that top 10. Um, and I think he could easily be number two or three on teams lists. So if, you know, somebody takes one of the a team's top guy, they could easily just um, just go pick Danielson because he's like their number two or three guy. But to me, no, none of these teams that I see in the top 10, um, I don't, he doesn't really stick out to me as being, you know, number one on their, their draft board. So while I think he goes, goes top 15, I could easily see, I, I don't think he goes to the Yotes, but um, I, I think that he's definitely top 15 guy in, in this draft. And when you start getting into like, you know, picks 14, 15, 16, and teams just start going, you know, best overall guy, I think that he'll be, he'll be there and somebody will snag him. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's really fair to say. Um, well, we got a couple things to announce. Um, couple news, and most of them revolve the Arizona Coyotes because they they love being in the news. But the first one is uh, the Coyotes Arena situation because again, it wouldn't be a uh, wouldn't be a podcast season without mentioning the Arizona Coyotes and their arena situation. So Craig Morning, uh, wow, I really butchered that last name. Craig Morgan from uh, PHNX Coyotes, really, really good journalist. Go check him out. Go check out his work if you haven't. But he wrote an article a couple of days ago, June 19th, basically reporting more about the Arizona Coyotes and their arena situation. They are looking at a couple of things. The first big topic here is they are not going to, most likely going to Fiesta Mall in that spot. I've been around the Fiesta Mall location it's relatively close to Tempe. It's on a plot of land that wouldn't require a vote, which is what the Coyotes are aiming for here. Um, but it is relatively far from Tempe. It's like a 10, 15 minute drive. Um, there's nothing really around Fiesta Mall. There's an in and out if, if you like that. Like I, me and Tyler, Tyler and I love in and out. So uh, that would be awesome. Go to Coyotes game and then in and out. But in any case, uh, that is not really being considered. And most of the places that they are considering are a little bit closer to where the entertainment district was set up and proposed. The first one, the first recommended location was a site in Mesa, and that's on the 202 Red Mountain Freeway. Um, if you don't know where that is or you're out of state, this is on the border of Tempe and Mesa. Mesa is a massive city, uh, expands so far. So when you say Mesa, a lot of people get worried that's going to be Glendale Part 2. But in reality, this location that they're talking about is right near the Tempe Mall, I, I think it's called, or it's where all the... Uh, 
uh, it's near all the shopping malls that most ASU kids go to. There's a Target over there. There's a lot of stuff over there. Gains a lot of popularity over there. There's also Oceanside. That that is that used to be right near there. So it's a, like a, I think a stop after the Oceanside stop. I believe we're considering it. It's most notably right next to Sloan Park. Sloan Park, obviously the spring training facility of the Chicago Cubs, but they're looking at a parcel of land right off the freeway. It is currently privately owned by the Johnson Stewart Materials LLC. It is a quarry basically right now. And this is a great location in my opinion. One, it's right off the freeway, which is ideal. That's where, that was one of the only pros about Glendale is right near the freeway. Uh, two, uh, it's obviously privately owned, so you wouldn't need a public boat. Three, it's super close to Tempe. That's kind of where you want it. It's also not that far from Scottsdale. So you got a lot of awesome stuff around that area, and you're eligible to build a sporting book, a casino. I uh, don't know what the exact word is for it, but you're able to build that there, along with most likely housing. So that is one of them. Um, the other one would be, where is it? It is right near the Salt River, Pima, Maricopa, Indiana, or Indian community. It's basically, um, reservation land, uh, Indian reservation land. It's a 65 acre of vacant land. And basically where that is, is right near the Diamondbacks Spring Training Park. Uh, slash Colorado Rockies. It's also near Talking Stick over there. Um, there's endless land over there. And the reason why is because it's reservation territory. Um, it sits west of the Loop 101 freeway. Again, easy access to the freeway. Um, it's also next to the Pavilion Shopping Center, just north of the Arizona Canal. There's a lot of stuff over there, but it is very vacant once once you pass like the aquarium and then the casino. Uh, and that also has top golf within it. The one drawback about this parcel of land is that because it's reservation territory, you cannot build a gambling site on it, which was a huge reason why the Tempe Entertainment District was put forward because Marilla, Alex Morello really wanted a gambling spot. And you also cannot have housing there uh, because the reservation territory basically does not allow any of that. The pro of this though, is that that area is ready to go. It is vacant land. It is already fully clean. It has all the steps according to it. So basically they can start building whenever they buy the land. They don't need to excavate. They don't need to do any of that. So this arena, if it was built there, would most likely go up before the Tempe Entertainment District was planned to go up. Uh, there are also two cities that are looking, that the Coyotes are looking at, and that is a location in Scottsdale and a location in Phoenix. We don't know much about those two locations, but this is what we know. This is where the Coyotes are most likely going to build within these four spots. So we will see what's going to happen. Tyler, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm just hoping that they get something done soon because, you know, the last thing you want is these these stadium uh, problems to 
to cause you issues in free agency and you know your people wanted to sign long-term deals because they're not you know super certain about the future so the the last thing you want is all these things to to drag on and I think the main things that the Coyotes in the front office wants is to just get to a conclusion soon because the, the longer this thing drags on, the worse it'll get, the more relocation rumors will, will spread. Um, and I, I think that their main thing is just getting this done as, as quick as possible. And if they find a plot of land um, that works great, I think that they're going to jump on it to try and get this thing as soon done as soon as possible. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I think we're going to hear something about it before the season begins because I don't think the NHL, the league, or the Coyotes want to drag that out that long. So I think we're going to hear something uh, before the season begins. The next Arizona Coyotes uh, news are the buyouts of two legendary Coyotes, Zach Cassian and Patrick Nemeth. Cassian had two points through 51 games Played with Arizona this past season. Patrick Nemeth had five points through 75 games this past season. Zero goals, never scored a Coyote goal in his life. They have been bought out. These are two tank commanders. These are two Coyotes legends. These are two buyouts for the Coyotes. Um, Tyler, your thoughts on these legendary players being bought out by the Coyotes? Damn, I'm, I'm gonna miss them. It was it was fun going to, to the mullet and watching Zach Cassie and, and Patrick Nemeth every single night. Um, you know, that that was the highlight of, of my experience of my my entire first semester, first two semesters at ASU. The highlight was watching Patrick Nemeth and Zach Cassie and on the ice at Mullet Arena. I'm gonna miss them. It's very sad. But uh Actually, I have uh, this, a Patrick Nemeth signed oh, ASU wow. puck. So this legendary baby will forever be known as Grail because Patrick Nemeth, the Coyotes legend, signed this ASU puck. But uh, wow, there's higher their numbers. Um, something I did hear about Zach Cassian. I don't know if you heard this. Craig Morgan kind of reported on this. There might have been um, culture issues with Zach Cassian. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, we don't know what goes on it's inside the locker room, but um, I mean, I don't know too much about Zach Cassian, but he seems like he's a little bit of a like a big personality, at least you know, big hits on the ice. Um, so maybe maybe it was a little bit of a, a conflict, and I mean, that's when you're building a culture there. If there was um character issues there or he was causing any problems that's the last thing you want especially with a lot of young guys in that locker room all jokes aside casting was atrocious with coyotes nemeth was okay as like a seventh defenseman but let me ask you this these two coyotes legends will they be will they have contracts by the time the nhl season rolls around um i i do think that nemeth gets a contract i think that he's he's fine as like a seventh defenseman there i don't think he's a guy you want playing every day but i i think that um a team will at least give him a pto and i think he, he should be able to to make a team out of training camp as like a, a seventh defenseman because um he wasn't great but i mean i wouldn't say that he was absolutely terrible i mean 
um, he's not supposed to get you points, but um, obviously not getting a single goal in, in what do you play, like 60, 70-something games. Um, that's, yeah, that's that's a little rough, not scoring a single goal. But that's not what he's meant to do. And I thought that um, I thought that the Coyotes' defensive um, core was one of their strengths for a lot of the season because you had a lot of guys there who really weren't, you know, top-end defensemen. But I thought they did a really good job at um, holding it down back there of them, especially with like, um, like Josh Brown and Volmaki. I thought all three of them, you know, did. I think that was like the three guys that kind of played, um, almost every game this season with Chicken getting traded and guys coming up and down. So I thought that they really held their own back there, and that'll let Nemeth get another contract. He's not going to get a lot of money. I think he'll get probably a vet minimum contract with maybe some incentives to be a seventh defenseman. But then Cassian, on the other hand, the dude was just. He, he just so he bad. couldn't he couldn't even skate. I mean, you saw him out there. He was failing to keep up with even his own line mates, and I mean, I think that held back um, everybody he was playing with. It made it super super easy for guys to score when he was out on the ice. So while I I think that he gets a chance in training camp, I think he'll get a PTO. I think a team will will see what he can do. Um, maybe the Oilers look to bring him back because he wasn't terrible last year with the Oilers. But uh, I, I don't really see him making uh, a team next year. I think that he'll get a shot, but I just if he plays the way he did this past this past season, yeah. no chance he's making another team. No, I I agree with you. I don't think Cassian gets a contract, maybe an AHL contract, but he just doesn't seem like the guy who would settle for an AHL contract. I think Nemeth gets a contract, most likely somewhere like Chicago, maybe Anaheim, like somewhere that needs defensemen, needs bodies to get to the cap floor. I could see them making a run at Coyotes legend Patrick Nemeth, but God bless Patrick Nemeth, Zach Cassian. These are two Coyotes legends that will forever live in our hearts. Um, Final bit of Coyotes news, because we can't, we can't get without Coyotes news within the episode. Um, the Coyotes preseason schedule has been announced, and it's a bit of a weary one. So the team will be playing all over the world. These are the global Coyotes now. So you've heard of the Harlem Globetrotters. These are the Coyote Globetrotters. They will be playing, obviously, in Australia. Uh, they will have two games in Australia against the Kings, one on September 22nd, the other one on September 23rd. They will also be playing in Wichita, Kansas, uh, September 23rd, as well as a split squad. They will be considered as the home team in that that game. They are also playing in Cedar Park, Texas, uh, another non-NHL city. That is against the Dallas Stars on the 24th of September. They will also be playing in Coachella Valley against the Anaheim Ducks. That will be October 1st. They will be considered as the home team in that one as well. And they will also be playing in Honda Center. They'll be playing in Vegas. They'll be playing at Enterprise Center in St. Louis. Meaning there is one more game out there, Tyler. One more game that they have the potential, potential of holding at home. Psych, they are not is going to be in Tucson. We are going back to the Tucson Convention Center all the way 
Tucson, Arizona, down south, two hours away from the Valley. So, again, for the second straight preseason, no games in the Valley, no games at home. Your thoughts, Tyler? Um, yeah, with the, the Coyotes not really having, um, like, a permanent home, they're kind of like the the easy team to just throw in the road, throw them in, in exhibition games in other cities, other continents, even this year. So I, I think that they're just like the, the easy choice to give these games to. And that's why they're playing at so many different places this preseason. And honestly, I, I really don't think the Coyotes minds that they're getting so many preseason games because they have so many prospects, so many young guys, especially guys who are going to be fighting for a chance um, to make the team. Because, um, you know, there's we, we've seen a lot of guys who had great seasons in, in Tucson. And I don't think um, as good as they are there, I think they all want to, you know, go play in the NHL like um, Jenik, Carconi. Um, a lot of these guys, I don't think they're going to want to go back to Tucson. So it gives them a chance to fight for roster spot. It gives young guys a chance to, you know, play um, in NHL level games, play with the guys they're going to, you know, be playing with in the future. And I don't think the Coyotes really mind that. So I think it's it's just it's good in general that they're getting a lot of these preseason games to, to showcase um, a lot of the, the young talent that's going to be the future of this team. And I think the NHL is happy that they get to play games in non-traditional markets where, you know, these fans don't really get to see a lot of hockey games. I'm actually going to kind of agree with you on some of that. I think uh, the prospects are going to be looking forward to all of this because, I mean, they get to travel to NHL cities. I mean, Vegas is on the list. Come on now. Um, but I think the veterans are really going to miss uh not being far from their actual homes, like Clayton Keller, uh, Nick Schmaltz. I think these these players are going to go to Australia. I think they'll enjoy that. But when they get back, I think they most likely go to the Tucson game. Um, but, you know, it just kind of sucks for those players because I'm sure they would love to be back in their own homes in the Valley. And I think it's disappointing because you could totally hold a game somewhere here. I mean, Mullet is obviously here. I'm sure – you could put one somewhere else. It's hard to find other places. I get it, but you know, it's, it's kind of disappointing for fans that live here uh, that have to now drive two hours away, but Tyler, we might make the drive. We will see. Yeah. Be, I went, I went to the last game again in Tucson uh, last year and that was a lot of fun. Actually. I had a lot of fun at that, at that location. But, you know, another place I would really want to see in Arizona host an NHL game would be Flagstaff. Yeah, especially because they get snow up there, so it's pretty cold. All right, the next bit of news that we have to talk about is the Buffalo Sabres uh, re-signing Zemnis Gergensens to a one-year extension deal at $2.5 million AAV. Uh, Gergensen's his stats 18 points through 80 games last season with Buffalo. Your thoughts, Tyler, on Gergensen's? It's just a one year deal, so it's not anything crazy. I know Buffalo fans, uh, uh I don't know if they, they love him or he's just like a joke around there, but um, he's he's been there for a while now. I, I yeah. feel like, like, whenever yeah. I think of Gergensen's, you know, I think of like, um, it's like meme play, like meme, like 24, 25 year old player, but he's got to be like approaching his 30s by now. What was he? He was uh, 2013, I think, drafted. 
Maybe he's 29. Eight. What? Yeah, so he's getting up there. Um, uh, yeah, it's just that's crazy to think about it. I feel like he was just like 23, 24 just a few years ago. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he's he had a, I think he had a solid season last year. He's a good third, fourth line guy. The only thing I would say that you know takes away from is you're taking a spot away from from a prospect or a younger guy who you know maybe uh you know maybe some Sabres fans would want to get a look over him. But um with that, you know what you're getting from Gergensen. It's just one year deal. Um I doubt they keep him past this this year, but you know what you're getting with him. It's not bad or anything and uh just yeah he's back Gergensen's. uh other re-signing uh sean monahan uh re-signs with the montreal canadians a 1.985 million dollar aav for the one year 17 points through 25 games played with montreal last season he was really good with montreal tyler uh his first season with the canadians very popular guy around there too. Your thoughts on the Monahan extension? I don't think he played a ton last year. I think he was hurt most of the season. Twenty-five games. Yeah. So I think this is Montreal. Just you know, hoping he stays healthy, puts up a good half a season, and they could get something for him at the deadline because that's what I see when they make this move. Um, because I think um I think he's still a useful player. I think he's a solid player. Um, I think he's good even if they do keep him the whole season um he's a great guy for for their their young locker room there because um uh when he was in calgary he you know i feel like he really transformed from one of the the younger guys to to a really really good leader there and i think that um he's a, just a great guy for montreal's locker room and um and they could keep him if they want through the end of the season but if he puts up a good half and stays healthy then they could easily get something for him at the deadline uh next thing Oliver Ekman Larson, we speak about Coyotes getting bought out, a former Coyote being bought out here. A, the Canucks are buying out OEL. They obviously acquired OEL in a blockbuster trade with the Coyotes where Coyotes legends Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, and others were brought to the Coyotes. And also Dylan Gunther and also the pick that was sent to Minnesota to get Jack McBain were all sent to the Coyotes. And then meanwhile, OEL and Connor Garland to Vancouver. This is a, this just has turned out to be a awful move for Vancouver as they buy out OEL, putting them with a eight year period of time where they will be paying Oliver Ekman Larson to not pay on their team. Uh, same with the Coyotes. They will be uh, also affected by this. They are, as they were, they uh, retain 10% of OEL's contract when he was traded. Um, Yeah, down goes OEL and eight years of buyout time until the 2030s. That is insane to me. Tyler, your thoughts on OEL? He had 22 points through 54 games with Vancouver. I thought it was a terrible trade at the time for the Canucks, and I think it looks it looks even worse now. Um, and I mean, I don't think OEL is the player that he was on the Coyotes when he was putting up twenty goal seasons from the blue line. But I also don't think that he's you know this terrible, terrible guy like some Canucks fans um, 
make him out to be. I've I saw some Canucks fans, you know, saying that that the guy shouldn't even be playing in the AHL, which I think is is crazy, because I think that he'll he'll be useful on a, a team's like third pair there. Um, two teams that come to mind, and I know this one is where you were leaning is Boston, um, just because when the trade rumors were swirling between Vancouver and, and Boston for him. But another team that I think that um, would maybe be interesting with him is Florida. To me, those are kind of the two teams. Um, I think he ends up in Boston, but I wouldn't be surprised if Florida is interested in bringing him in. Um, maybe the Coyotes, but I don't think that as of right now, he really fits in at all. And I don't think the Coyotes front office would totally be interested in bringing him back like right now, but I definitely think that um, maybe in, in a few years, maybe they go for like one uh, one reunion season uh, before he's ready to, to call it quit. He is a Coyotes legend. Um, yeah. I could see three possible areas he ends up in. I think you named all three of them. Uh, before that, I don't think OEL is that bad. I think he's a good bottom pairing guy. Yeah. Um, but earlier in his career, I really do think he was a great top four guy, top defenseman. That was earlier in his career. This is now he's 31. Um, and yeah, that, this trade was one of the worst in Vancouver history, if not the worst in Vancouver history. What a steal by the Coyotes. Dylan Gunther is incredible. Jack McBain has turned into a great bottom guy. And all those bad contracts were gone within a year. Anton Strawman was the other one was it was it him no it wasn't strawman who was it It was jay beagle louis erickson and so anton Roussel. anton Roussel. yes that coyotes legend these are all coyotes legends um anyway oel you named all three places boston obviously when he was getting shipped out of arizona he only wanted to go to two places one of them vancouver the other being boston Florida, I think they could make a decent push the ball to get him. Cheap contract OEL is most likely going to get. They need a defenseman. In Arizona, he loved it in Arizona. He didn't really want to get traded until the very end. I could 100% see him back in a Coyotes uniform, although it would probably be a one-year, two-year contract before all the youth start showing up. Maybe ends up as a seventh-pairing guy after that, but that's something I could envision. Next topic of discussion Stan Kroenke, he is the owner of the Colorado Avalanche, the Colorado Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets, I meant. Why did I say Colorado Nuggets? I don't know. Um, and the L.A. Rams, he owns all three of those teams. And and uh, Arsenal. And now, a doesn't he own a San, the future San Diego MLS team? Um, maybe. I think he owns a I part think, of it now. I know, because, well, we're going to go on to what he wants to do so so what he wants to do is make a arena project in san diego and that's called midway rising this will include a 16,000 seat arena thousands of new housing units a hotel retail space and the ability this is the big one so while we're talking about it to host a nba or nhl franchise uh when you look at the graphic that they gave us it has the San Diego goals actually on it, which is the AHL team of the Anaheim Ducks. What do you think of San Diego potentially getting an NHL franchise, Tyler? Um, I don't think that it 
it happens um as much as Kroenke has given to the to the NHL and just all the sports leagues in general I just I don't think San Diego is a market that the NHL wants to explore especially with all the teams they have in California right now um I think that um you know Kroenke wouldn't he wouldn't be owning the team he just wants to build the arena there but I, I don't think the NHL is going to explore San Diego because I don't, I think there's a lot of other markets that have ahead of that, that they're looking to expand to. San Diego is a massive city in California. Obviously California has the sharks, the Kaya or the sharks, the Kings and the ducks. Uh, two of those teams are SoCal teams. If you look one level deeper in the AHL, you have the San Jose Barracuda. You also have the Ontario Rain, the Coachella Valley Firebirds, the Bakersfield Condors, and the San Diego Goals. Uh, San Diego, the city, 1.382 million. Um, it's very nice there. Very nice Weber, right near the border. Um, but I agree with you, Tyler. I think SoCal is getting a little bit too much hockey craze, too much hockey love from all these leagues because, again, you have like five AHL teams in there. You have three NHL teams there. You just have, I think, way too much NHL and AHL concentrated on LA. I think they really need to brighten it in Northern California because you have San Jose, but you have nothing in Sacramento. You have nothing... We go a little bit east to Reno. You have nothing there. Uh, Stockton now no longer has an AHL team. So that whole area needs some hockey love. So if we're talking about hockey love, get some AHL, ECHL teams up there. But we're talking about NHL. I think there are too many places where they could expand already. I think Atlanta is top on their board. I think Salt Lake City is top on their board. I think Houston, these three places are very likely going to get NHL teams ahead of San Diego. I think if they built this arena, I think the big thing here for hockey is that the goals might get a new arena. Their arena is really old, one of the oldest in the league. So I I just can't see it. I can't see an NHL thing, but they are interested in it. So we will see. I don't I can't see an NBA team going there either, just off the top of my head. Um, let's talk about another, I guess, arena thing, which is the Winnipeg Ice, the WHL. They were sold and they are moving to the United States from Winnipeg. They are going to Wenatchee, Washington. I think I said that correctly. That is right near Seattle, a two hour drive, I believe, three hour, maybe very close to the mountain range, uh, maybe four hours from Spokane. Um, they actually came from Kootenay to Winnipeg in 2019. And the reason why this happened is because the whole reason why the ice were in Winnipeg was because they were offered a new arena WHL uh, top of the line, but they did not get it. And so they were sold and now they go to Washington. Any thoughts on this, Tyler? Um, it, I guess we'll have the, the Washington rivalry now between um, them and Seattle. And Spokane. So, oh, yeah, and Spokane. So, yeah. Um, it's just 
uh, it's interesting because I know Winnipeg, they, they love their, their junior hockey over there. So it's, it's got to suck to be a fan. I know the ice were also really, really good this year. So um, just, I mean, it's, it's cool to get uh, uh, another team, especially in, in that area of Washington. I feel like there's not uh, a lot of like professional sports going on around there. It's, it's all, everything is going on like downtown in like Seattle but um, yeah, it's got to suck for Winnipeg to lose a, a team, especially a team that was really competitive and really good. Yeah, no, I completely understand. See, Washington is growing as a hockey market. Obviously, it's cracking. You got, you got the Chiefs and Thunderbirds there. Meanwhile, Winnipeg, a lot of negativity going around in that area. Uh, yeah, Pierre Luc Dubois and the potential, and Connor Hellbach and the potential rebuild of the Jets coming up. Now you have the ice leaving. As mentioned, they still have the Jets, and they also have the Manitoba Moose, the AHL, but there is a level of hockey they will no longer have. Um, moving on, this one's gonna, we're going to go by this really quick. Eric Carlson on the trade block. Him and the Sharks have been discussing about facilita- facilitating a trade. Any thoughts on the Eric Carlson possible trade? He is most likely going to win the Norris Trophy. Yeah, that's this is Carlson, you know. It's a crazy season he had. Wow, that was uh, that was um, that was short. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I, I feel like we talked a, a ton about Carlson uh, last season. Um, yeah, especially around like the deadlines. I don't know. There's just not a ton else to to say about him other than just yeah. the hundred points of defense. It's just a crazy season. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. Uh, one last thing before we get to our final topic, which is basically the AHL finals. There is one hockey league that has not finished their 2022-2023 season. Uh, hockey Hall of Fame is coming up rapidly, um, and we have some interesting candidates for this year. Most likely going to get in, Henrik Lundqvist is going to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, he is a first-time eligible uh, player, he's most likely going to join um, into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Also, uh, very mentionable is uh, Henrik Zetterberg. Uh, he is, I believe, first time eligible, but he obviously big time Detroit Red Wings name. So we'll see if he gets in. Also, first time eligible uh, includes Corey Crawford. If you think he deserves the Hall of Fame, Justin Williams is also now Hockey Hall of Fame eligible. And then other notable players that have not gone to the Hall of Fame yet, Tom Barrasso, Rod Brindamore, uh, Patrick Elias, Theo Fleury, Sergey Gonchar, Curtis Joseph, and the one that I really think should be in the Hall of Fame, Alexander Moginley. He is still not in. Also, Chris Osgood. David Poyle is also an NHL Hockey Hall of Fame eligible. Jeremy Roenick, Keith Tuchuk, Pierre Turgeon. And, yeah, Tyler, who do you think is going to get into the Hall of Fame this year? Usually it's three of the four players. You have to take a guess who's getting in this year. Um, I think that Lundqvist gets in definitely. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think Malingi. Maling, me um, butchering his name, but I, I think Maybe. this could be the year. 
he gets in. Same with Brindamore. Um, there's there's a few guys that like I think they have a chance, but I also think it might be a little too soon. Like Justin Williams, I think Justin Williams does get in eventually. I just feel like it's too soon for him. Um, and I mean, we'll see who who the if they go with three or four players. But I think Lundqvist a lock. Um, and then I think a few guys who have been due for a long time finally get in this year, like Malingi and honestly, Brendan Moore's probably deserved it for a while. Yeah, I think Henrik Lundqvist, the obvious here, he's going to go in. There's no doubt about that. I think Henrik Zetterberg makes it in. I think he is probably the second one in line. I think Alex McGinley finally makes it in. He absolutely deserves to go in. He has numerous accolades, including a Stanley Cup with the Devils in 2000. He also uh, has 990 NHL games in his under his belt, and he has also scored 71 more games than someone who made it into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2017, being Paul Correa. Um, Mogenley won the gold medal. He had uh, 1,032 overall NHL points. There is no way that he shouldn't be in there. And I think it's that fourth spot is a battle. I really do think Rod Brindamore should make it in, but I think Theo Fleury is another player that should absolutely make it in. Great player there, won everything again. Very, very underrated player because he was a five foot six player, very short. Um, I think Tuchuk deserves to go into the Hall of Fame. I I really do. And I think Ronick makes an argument. And I think Elias does too. But I think your top three, Lundquist is at the top. There's no doubt he's not going to make it in. And then you have Zetterberg, Mogenley, and then Brindamore and Flurry. And then you have a gap. And then you have Tuchuk, Ronick. That would be my guess. And I do think David Boyle eventually makes it in, if not this year, because he is retiring. Any thoughts or thoughts on the Hockey Hall of Fame, Tyler? Um, we'll, we'll see who they, they put in because, you know, um, at least in other sports Hall of Fames, um, a lot of the times they, there's a lot of bias, especially towards the, the more recent players, like especially in baseball. Um. So we'll see if a lot of the old guys who probably deserve to get in um, finally do get in. Because I feel like, um, at least in other sports, there's a lot of bias towards the guys who just more recently retired. They put a lot more focus on them and trying to get them in than, you know, the guys who deserve it, but, you know, have been retired for a while. Yeah, I think Mogan Lee absolutely deserves to go in. I think it's long overdue. You know, someone else who is going to be eligible soon, Tyler. Who? Patrick Marlowe. He's making it in, I think, first ballot when that eventually yeah. that eventually happens. Was, but in any case. Was, uh, was McGinley the first person to come over from Russia? He was one of the play? first players to come over yeah. from Russia. He has such an interesting story. Um, he is – he really deserves to go in, guys. Uh, final, final thing, the AHL. Uh, so the Hershey Bears were up 3-2 in the series going back to Coachella Valley. Um, they could have won the Calder Cup, 
but the Coachella Valley Firebirds and Joey Decord have forced a game seven in Coachella Valley, the oldest AHL franchise versus the newest franchise, final game of the season. Tyler, any thoughts on this series? It's actually it's been a good series so far. I mean, um, it's been in terms of like games wise, it's been back and forth. And I I, I caught a little bit of the game the the other I think it was last night, and the court was a wall, and Coachella was packed. Man, that place was rocking. Oh, that, yeah. that was great to see. Yeah, I think Coachella Valley has really turned into a big hockey market. We have if well, I have a friend who actually lives in Coachella and has attended all these playoff games. So freaking lucky. I would love to go to a playoff game there in Acrisure Arena. You know something else that's interesting? Shane Wright hasn't really been a big-time player for the Firebirds on this little trip to the Calder Cup final game seven. Yeah, but um, I believe, was it, Cole Lins? Is absolutely ridiculous right now. He's he's like two points per game right now in the playoffs, something like that. He's he's crazy. Yeah, Yeah, he's going insane. There are a couple other players on there that are going insane. Um, Maybe it's Alex True. Yeah, maybe it's Alex Alex True. Somebody has like 30 points in like 15 games, something like that. That's a uh, former Sharks uh, legend. I mean, Obviously, Joey Decord has been insane. Um, And there are other players there that have been going insane. Um, I can't think of his name, but the uh, dude who actually played for Seattle in the playoffs that came over. Oh, yeah, Ty Cartier. Ty Cartier has been really good. But no Shane Wright really popping up, which is very, very interesting. Because he was expected to be the first overall pick. Uh, during the Slavkovsky draft, but fell to Seattle. But um, neither team has won on the road. We'll see if that can change. Obviously, Coachella won games one through two. Hershey won all their games in Hershey, three, four, and five. And then Coachella won game six. So we'll see if Coachella will win the Calder Cup in its first ever season or if the Hershey Bears uh, will bring home yet a, another Calder Cup to its storied franchise to Chocolate World. But anything else that you got to mention, Tyler? No, I mean, we're getting into to draft season. Uh, what are, I think we're a week away from the draft now, maybe a week in a day. So, And also the NHL awards, along with free agency coming shortly after the draft. Uh, we'll have a whole, a whole draft review episode eventually along with the NHL awards and then we will also have a episode dedicated to looking for all the free agents that are coming up um but that will basically do it for the first episode of the new season the 2023-2024 desert ship podcast you can find Tyler Cass at Tyler Cass underscore on Twitter follow him he's gonna rant about Mitchkov and more stuff on there Go follow him. Uh, meanwhile, you can find me, Chase Beardsley underscore. A lot of fun stuff happening over there. Um, so go give it a follow. But thank you so much for, once again, tuning into a podcast. Welcome to the new season for the NHL. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. <laughs>